Pastor, let's welcome up Brian Kim. How are you doing, everyone? You know, I think I say this every time I'm up on the podium and I'm not leading worship. It just feels so weird. It feels so different. It feels almost like I'm naked. Because, like, you know, you have the guitar, it, like, covers everything. And now you guys can, you guys can actually see me. Anyways, I'm just going to start off with a verse to break the awkward tension. I have a good gift for that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.15 says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. My testimony starts about two decades ago. Um, I grew up with very typical Asian parents. I don't know if you guys have read the Tiger Mom article, but I had tiger parents. You know, they were tiger parents to the max. They pushed me and my brother so much to do everything and everything, everything and anything. They just pushed us every single day so that we could be the best. And they pushed us and they pushed us. And for the most part, you know, we were pretty successful. If you guys don't know, I have a twin brother as well. You know, awesome man of God. He's single. Anyways. <laughs> you know, but growing up, I was that annoying kid in youth group. Um, I got straight A's. I was captain of three varsity sports. I was president of my youth group. And I got into an Ivy League school early. You know, I was the kid that, you know, your parents talked to you about. It was like, why can't you be more like that kid? I was every single Korean mom's dream. <laughs> Except for my mom. No matter what I did, no matter what I did, I could never please her. You know, even after I got into college, there was always something more. There was always something else that I could have done to be better. And I could never satisfy her. I could never satisfy my parents. And I lived in that spirit, in that orphan spirit, you know, through my whole childhood, that I can never satisfy them, that no matter what I did, I can never earn their love. And so, you know, anyone ever feel like that before? Like, no matter what you can do, it just, it just wasn't enough. And, uh, you know, my, I was good at a lot of things, but one thing I wasn't good at was music. You know, I never grew up with music. I hated music. You know, one of the things that I grew up with, you know, one of the memories I had to go through in my H&D you know, it was when I was, like a, when I was a kid. I was in elementary school, and my youth group was having, you know, we had to sing in front of the congregation, the youth group, the little kids, and, you know, we were practicing for it. And, you know, I love Jesus. You know, I was Christian. So I was just singing really loudly during the practice. The youth group, you know, the teacher, my teacher, she just stopped us. She's like, stop, stop, stop. Something's off. You know, and I thought, and I was like, oh, she's going to congratulate me for singing so loudly, for praising my God. She stopped us, and she's like, who's singing so loudly? And I was like, oh, it's me. And I was like, so happy. <laughs> and she's like, can you stop that? You're off key and you're throwing everyone else off key. You're off rhythm and ever, no one can follow anymore. And I was in elementary school and I was crushed. You know, after that, I went to middle school and my mom tried to put violin, piano, singing on me. And I could not do any of them. And it did not help that after every single time, she would tell us, why can't you do this? You know, why can't you do this? I could do it. Why can't you do it? You know, you're good at other things. Why can't you just pick this up? And I was like, I don't know. And after that, I just hated music. I didn't even listen to music. The only music I listened to was Linkin Park. It's because they scream a lot. <laughs> and uh, every, anytime I heard music, I just wanted to scream because I just did not like it. And I just avoided music my whole life. And I kept, I remember just getting, being called umchi and pakchi. Tone deaf, rhythm deaf. All my life. And I was just like, 
you know, I hated music so much, but uh, that's what I grew up with. And let me just fast forward a little bit. My sophomore year in college, got started moving my life. You know, I stopped partying, doing drugs. I think I got outed on that publicly on a podcast somewhere. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Christian. But, uh, you know, I was no longer leading this double life. I started being serious about God and uh, really giving my life to him. And he started speaking to me about my calling, and he wanted to reveal to me my staff. He wanted to reveal to me the secrets inside of me, but I didn't want to hear him. You know, in my sophomore year, I got asked to be a worship leader, you know, because the senior, senior, a senior was leading worship, and he was graduating, and there was no one else. So he asked me to do it. I told him, heck no. I can't play guitar. I can't sing. You know, I can't do it. You know, and everyone on the team was so talented, but he insisted. For some reason, through the conviction of God, I accepted. And for my last couple of years in college... You know, I led worship, and it was tough. I hated doing it every week. I absolutely hated it. And, but I did it. And I, you know, I would always tell people, you know, I was one of those worship leaders. You know, when you ask them, oh, you did such a good job. And I was just like, oh, it wasn't me. It was all God. You know, that, that was me. And, you know, I would always cling on to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You know, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I would always tell God, you know, you're using me in my weakness you know, to make your strength made perfect. And I thought I was being so holy. I thought I was being so, you know, so strong in my faith by letting God use me in worship leading. And that was, you know, I'm not saying that was wrong, but if you think about it, I was acting in the orphan spirit. I was acting in the orphan spirit that whole time, you know. And, you know, in hindsight, I can tell you guys, you know, I'm not saying that it's wrong if God uses you in a point of weakness. You know, that's all over scripture. It's there. But, you know, the orphan spirit, it doesn't mean that you're theologically wrong or that you're listening to the wrong teaching. A lot of times it means that you're not grasping the fullness of that teaching. You're not grasping the fullness of your identity. And that's what I was exactly doing. I wasn't grasping the fullness of what God had planned for my life. You know, I was only grasping just such a small part of it. You know, I was walking in the old paradigm. I was walking in the old grace. I was walking in the old dispensation. And so when I finished leading worship in college, you know, I thought I was done for good. And I was so happy about it. I would never have to do this again. I would never have to embarrass myself in front of people. You know, and I got to Korea. Um, you know, I had all these different voices in my life. I had my parents, my friends, my campus staff, my pastors, you know, and all these other people who I gave a voice to in my life. You know, I had a lot of teachers, a lot of guides in Christ in my life. But I didn't have a spiritual father. And so that was until I met Pastor Christian. You know, and sometimes to grasp, to grasp the fullness of your inheritance, you just need one spiritual father to propel you into it, not a myriad of voices, not a myriad of opinions. You know, so when I was ready to give up on that staff that God had given me, so clearly with so many prophetic signs, Pastor Christian saw that I wasn't done with it. And he said, take hold of that staff again. I want you to lead worship. I felt grossly inadequate. I wanted to cling on to the words that I clung on to before, that God was using me in my place of weakness to make his strength perfect. Now, those are the words I wanted to cling on to. But in this new dispensation, in this new place, those words felt empty. Those words just felt so empty. And, oh man. You know, I just remember, um, it was a couple years later that we started really experiencing sonship in the house. And, and that was also when the E21 church plan team started. And so I was leaving Hillside. I remember Pastor Christian honored me in front of all of Hillside. You know, he just honored me so much. And I was so blessed. And then he told me a little bit later in private, you know, I'm not just proud of you because of your worship leading. I'm proud of you because you're a son of the house. And I didn't cry in front of him, but I went home and I cried like a baby. <laughs> but what was left of the orphan spirit inside of me, it died in that moment. When he spoke that words over me, it just died. And I could finally walk as a son in the house. 
I knew that my worth was not dependent on my leading worship, but on who I was. My role in the house was not functional, but it was relational. I was not an orphan. I wasn't a slave. I wasn't a servant, but I was a son. And as I received that revelation, God opened up to me another revelation about my inheritance. My whole life, Satan had planted a seed in my life that worship and music was my weakness. And I clung on to those lies, and I had built up a theology to support those lies. And I'd establish myself in those lies by saying that God was using me in my point of weakness. But when I started coming under covering, when I started coming under sonship, those lies were broken off. And I saw that music was not my weakness. Music was my strength. Music was my gifting. And God was going to use me in my worship to lift himself up. And it was so funny because as soon as that happened, as soon as I came to that revelation, I started picking up piano, I started picking up guitar, electric guitar, bass guitar, and I started picking up drums even. And I was just like, what is going on? Because I grew more in that one year than I had in my 25 years before musically. And it was just really by the testimony of God. Thank you guys.